0: Once again, we want to welcome you. Thank you for uh, joining with us. Uh, we are starting a new series this morning, and uh, it's still January, so we're still sort of leaning into uh, that beginning idea of a new year. I don't know if any of you do New Year's resolutions, and but I hope if you do, I, I, I hope that one of them at least was the idea of this year I want to I want to lean into my spiritual life I want to have a better relationship with God I want to grow in my faith and even if you're not a resolution person uh, I think as followers of Christ that's that's our desire anyway that's the whole idea of Christianity just as we had said in the in the previous series that God is alive and he's always moving. Well, we, his people, in order to be a living organism, we always need to be growing and developing and drawing closer to him. So there's never this time where we can sort of say, okay, I'm, I'm fully there. I crossed the finish line. I, I'm done with my faith until you actually are done and you've crossed the finish line. But none of us are in a hurry for that this morning, I don't think. But I hope you have a desire to draw closer to God. So for the next four weeks, we are gonna, uh, we're going to use the book of James. Uh, James is in the New Testament. It's a short book of five chapters. It's written by the brother of Jesus. Uh, that, that always just stands out to me because uh, it just amazes me. Because what would it take for you to believe that your brother was the Messiah? Right? And, and and James had his thing. You can see in the Gospels, the family shows up one time. They're like, Jesus, go home. You're embarrassing the family. Knock it off. Right. And and he worked his way through that. But what would convince him that his brother was the Messiah? Well, maybe that he called his death resurrection and, and nailed it. Um, that convinced him. And James believed it enough that he became a leader in, in a church. Uh, he was a leader in the temple, refused to uh, to um, go against uh worshipping the Lord, and because of that was thrown from the temple, stoned and ended up martyred for for the cause and and In the book of James, you just get this really sharp, distinguished uh, sharp uh, determined uh simple practices of what it means to be Christian. So over these next four weeks, we're going to lean into that with the overriding deal that we should be drawing closer to God. And each week we'll have a little phrase that we're working on. And for this week, it's self-examination. That if you're going to draw closer to God, you have to be able to be honest with yourself. You need to be able to look in the mirror and, and tell yourself the truth about who you are and where you are in your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And let me just, uh, do the spoiler. Um, we're not honest. We don't do that very well. Uh, we, we lie to each other. We lie to God. We lie to ourselves. We, we think more highly of ourself than we should. If we're going to have a closer relationship with God, we have to be honest with ourselves. So that's that's where we're going to be going today. We're going to be in the book of James, chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you won't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the Scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the Spirit He placed within us should be faithful to Him, and He gives us grace generously. As the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, James, as he uh, addresses this, just goes right after it that, hey, you know what, folks? We are our own worst enemy. We, we, we have, we all have this innate desire to be important, to have meaning in our life, to be recognized, to be valued, but we go about it in a way that's unhealthy. It's, we have this narcissistic tendency that we make everything about ourselves. We we are self-centered, selfish people. We we even most good things we do are done in a way to manipulate a situation so that we can get what we want out of the out of the situation. And if you're feeling a little uncomfortable now, then I've done my job, because I'm talking to you, and to the person next to you, and to the person next to them, and to myself. It's it is the problem of humanity. It's called sin. It, back in, and I've I've led a lot of Emmaus uh, walks and. Uh, one of the talks that you give at Emmaus is on uh, is on sin and the brokenness of humanity. And in the old talk model, what you would do is on a board, you would write sin with a little s and a big I and a little n. And the, the picture of that was that sin is really the elevation of I. It's the elevation of ego. It's the making ourself the center of the universe, whereas in the kingdom of heaven, there is only one person in charge, and that's Jesus Christ. He alone, He's Alpha Omega, the beginning, the end, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. He is the only one who sits on the throne of the kingdom of heaven, as opposed to the kingdom of man, which we know where that one's headed, that the kingdom of man is headed for destruction. But the kingdom of heaven is eternal, and everything will be made right in that. If we're going to be followers to God, we have to have allegiance and a following to Jesus. We have to allow Him to sit on the throne, but we don't. We don't. And if we're going to be honest, and that's what this is about, self-examination is about being honest, if we're going to be honest, we have to be willing to admit that most times we're only worried about ourselves. Most times we, we, are, we, we are only trying to get what we want. Now, we can rationalize with the best of them, right? We can make, we can make this most selfish thing sound holy, when I, was, when I was a pastor in, in Spicewood and we were starting a church on the south shore of Lake Travis, I wanted a boat. And I started praying, hey, if I have a boat, I could do baptism in the lake. I tried to get the church to put it in their budget, but they wouldn't. But, and we got a boat. You know how many baptisms I did on the boat? Zero. But it sounded holy, didn't it? Right, we, we are selfish. People, and, and James, you know, p- p- paints an even bleaker thing, like all the problems of the world are related to this elevated eye of, the, of humanity throughout the ages, wars, and all the ism, racism, uh, sexism, all the isms that we fight against. All of those are a, are a fight and a, and a jealousy and a, a conflict between us that we're constantly trying to take from others to get what we think we deserve. And, and and James just says, man, you, you're your own worst enemy. What you really need, he says, you need God, but you don't ask for what you need. And let me make it a little uh, plainer. What we need is the Holy Spirit to work within us. Right? The the sin problem is not something we can solve on our own. It's not something that we can just identify and then say, okay, so now you know the problem, fix it. That and, and for too many, too many churches and too many sermons, that's exactly what we do. We identify the problem, but we don't we don't do anything. It's, There's the problem, be better. Haley, let's sing our last hymn together. Right? That doesn't fix anything. If, you're, if you really want to draw closer to God, you have to recognize that Jesus Christ needs to be on the throne of your life. And your desire is not going to naturally take you there. What you need is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, that comes in and changes us from the inside out to change the desires of our heart and change the way we think and act. And James says, you don't have it because you don't ask. Jesus taught similarly. He said, you have not because you ask not when he was teaching about the Holy Spirit. Because God isn't a terrorist, right? He 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 doesn't come in and just invade us. He when when he created us and put his image on us, he also gave us the ability to choose. And and he wanted he wanted us to love him in a way that we chose to, not in a way that we were forced to. So he doesn't force the Holy Spirit into us, but when we ask, He will give it to us. And that's how we begin the journey of drawing closer to Christ. It's nothing we do. And, and it, it's, it's this act of grace which is not based on who we are, what we do, or what we can manipulate. It's a gift that we can only accept. You never earn it. You can never pay it back. You can only accept it. It's a gift of grace. And and instead of accepting that, we keep trying to get what we want and what we think we need. And in our struggle for that, we end up in getting exactly opposite of what we intended to get. And and James takes it even a step farther. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. James says that, and then he follows it up and says, and even when you ask, you're asking with the wrong motive, right? Right? That even, even when we ask, we, we're, we're manipulating situations, we're putting a holy spin on our selfishness. And that's, that's not godly living. That is, that is the thing we need to be saved from. Christi- Christianity is about a conversion. It's a movement from who we were to who he wants us to be, who we can be in him. There has to be a death that occurs and that death is the eye of our life that dies so that Christ might reign on the throne. I died to my old self. I'm raised with him. I'm now a new child of and, and a new creation. I am a child of God, there has to be a debt. There has to be a promotion from God being a hobby and, a, and an acquaintance to being the Lord of our life. In the book of James, there's this consistent under uh, uh, underpinning um, of, of the idea of a divided mind and divided loyalty right? And and he chases it throughout his letter. If you go back to chapter one in his introductory comments, he says, "Uh, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for your faith in God is in God alone. Don't waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. He chases that throughout, the, throughout these five chapters. He talks about the tongue. And he says, You're, you, you can't even talk without dividing yourself. You use the same tongue to curse others as you do to bless others. We, 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 have this, we try to live with one foot in each world. And if there is a danger in modern Christianity, this is it. If there is a sack of, of goods being sold in the form of Christianity that's dangerous to the church, more dangerous than any of the denominational crap that's going on, excuse me, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the idea that you can be a part-time Christian. That is the most dangerous thing. In fact, it's so, it's so untrue. James says, if you are a friend of the world,
1: you're an enemy to God. You, you, can't, you can't live in both worlds. It's like being pregnant. You can't be sort of pregnant.
0: You either are or you're not. We live in this divided loyalty. And, 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 and James says, no, you need to move in. Jesus didn't say, hey, what's the way to the kingdom of heaven? Well, honor God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength whenever it's convenient and it, it meets your, your schedule. That's not what he said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. It's an all-in proposition. And we've tried we've tried to take Christianity and make it a hobby and an interest that we tune into every it's like when you watch new movies on Netflix and you can pick up where you left off when you come back. And we try to do that with our relationship with God. And he's saying, No, that's that's dangerous. And 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 frankly, it's not because God is is Uh, this egomaniac that needs our attention, but it's because he designed us, he made us, and he knows exactly the kind of life that we need to live to make the fullest out of this life that he gave us and put his stamp, his DNA within us, his image within us. We need that relationship with him. Monica uh, O'Donnell, who uh, works here at the church, is Uh, In two weeks, she's going to be interviewing with the Board of Ordained Ministry. And uh, so pray for her for that. That's a stressful thing. Uh, But in that, uh, I know one of the questions she's going to be asked is, what does it mean to you that Jesus Christ is Lord? One of the questions we ask all of our candidates, and, and and there's two parts to the question, and most people can nail the first one, but they struggle on the second one. And Monica's already been coached up on this, so she's going to nail it when she gets. The first one is Jesus is Lord, He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning. In the end, He sits on the throne and He's going to come and return and make everything right. Even the ones that don't believe Him at some point are going to see Him as He really is. And we are told at some point every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not because you believe it or not, but because that's the reality of who He is. Jesus is Lord. And then most people stop there. You know, they've thrown out some Bible verses and everything and then stopped there. Well, even the devil believes that. The devil recognizes that Jesus is Lord. The second, the most part and card of that question if Jesus is Lord, is he my Lord? In other words, do I give him the authority to govern over me? Is it Him that I'm serving instead of myself? Have I taken myself off of the throne? Or am I trying to live a life where I have a co-pilot seat? And, and actually, it's not that's being too generous. We push Him to the back seat and make Him be a back seat driver that we blame all our accidents on. But if Jesus is Lord, and I believe that He is Lord, then he deserves nothing but our all in. It's it, it again, he's not an egomaniac, but he is a jealous guy, and not jealous in a negative connotation, but jealous in that he wants he wants us to love him with everything he is because but we are, because he loves us with everything he is. And when we when we flirt with other things in the world, we're cheating on him. It breaks his heart. It's like in your marriage. If your spouse was was flirting around and, and finding satisfaction in other areas, it would break your heart. James goes as far to say you're an adulterer. You are, you are cheating on your relationship with God. That's why you can't be a Christian and
1: uh, and a friend of the world. You have to
0: follow Jesus this divided thing that we do is not is not healthy and, and we need a we need a unified monotrack direction for our life and that is to draw closer to god now again if if we stop right here we 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 end up saying okay so i got to do better man what? think think hard hard go go yeah no yeah, yeah. i'm going to i'm going to sign up for seven bible studies and then I'm going to go to light on the hill, and then I'm going to... And that's all great. But again, it's not about you. It's about Him. Which it takes us to the next session. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace, and grace is a beautiful thing. I love grace. It's getting what we don't deserve from a loving God. God opposes the proud, but gives grace, To the humble. To the humble. To those who are willing to step off the throne of their life. To those who are willing to understand that Jesus is our only hope. To those who are willing to put all in in our relationship to say, I am nothing without him. I have no future or hope without him. Jesus is my all in all. He needs to be my all in all. I'm going to give him power and authority in my life. That's Humility. And we think of humility as weakness, and so we, we think about it as retreating and everything, but that's going to be one of the hardest decisions you make in your life. But it'll have the best result you're ever going to get in your life as well. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, how do we, how do we move closer? How do, how do we humble ourselves before the Lord? And He gives us some really, some really practical things. Uh, verse 7. So humble yourself before God. Well, what does that mean? Well, I mean, we can think posture, right? A lot of us learned how to pray by people saying, bow your head with me, let's pray. Right? Why do we do that? It's a, it's a posture that we, we're bowing to acknowledge. We're taking our, our requests. We're taking our, our thoughts, our, our hopes, our concerns to a greater power. And so you bow out of reverence. Some of you grew up in a tradition where you knelt as you prayed. Uh, to, to even demonstrate that more. Or maybe you've been at a camp or a retreat or a revival or something, and you've laid on the floor because you can't. It's, it's an acknowledgement that I'm in a presence much greater than me. I'm not the one in charge. I shouldn't be in charge. I'm going to pay homage to the person who does deserve the praise and honor. Humble yourself. I don't know if you have a a prayer time or a devotional time that you you work on daily. I think it's one of the quickest ways to begin to see fruit in your spiritual life. If you begin... The the folks I know that I admire the the most in their Christian relationship, they all have this in common. Their prayer time isn't a list of wants. Their prayer time every morning is basically... God, as I approach this day, I want to see people the way you see them. I want you to bring someone into my path that I can, I can bless because of your presence. I want you to give me words. I want you to give me awareness. Basically, they're saying, as they wake up before they even start the day, they're saying, this day belongs to you, God. Use it as you will. If you don't have that kind of practice, I I can't stress enough how how quickly you might begin to see a change in your spiritual life out of that. I'm not saying don't bring your needs to Him and there's there's a time for that list and for our concerns and for the people we care about. But none of that matters if we're divided from God in our allegiance because we're still trying to manipulate the details. God, just move in me. That's humbleness. It's the bowing before Him, saying, "This this day belongs to You, my job belongs to You." It's a, it's it's where our our ideas on giving money and our time and treasure to the church comes from. It's all from Him anyway. We're simply giving Him a portion of it back as a as a sign of of thanks and respect. Humble yourselves before God. Second, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Resist the devil, and He will flee from you. In, as God created us in His image, He gave us this thing—call it conscience or whatever. But you have an awareness when you're playing in the wrong playground, right? We all have an awareness when we're when we're flirting with things we shouldn't, or where we're where we're playing in places where we shouldn't be playing. We have an awareness, but part of that, not being honest with ourselves, we can rationalize that and explain it away, and we end up we end up in the wrong place. But what 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 James is saying is, don't don't let the tempter get you. That's another name for for the devil, the tempter. Don't allow the tempter to get you. Flee from it. Turn away from it. If that gets you in trouble, don't go there. If 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 that's if that's a, a hard situation for you, avoid it. Now that's common sense, and then add the power of the Holy Spirit into that. Flee from the devil and he will flee from you. The devil has no power compared to Jesus Christ or His
1: Holy Spirit. So rely on Him. He'll win that battle for
0: you. Don't play in playgrounds where you shouldn't be. Verse 8, Come close to God and God will come close to you. I get frustrated when I talk with folks, and they're like, "I really want to grow in my relationship with God." And I'm like, "Okay, so tell me what you're doing." Well, I'm not really doing anything. I'm, I'm just waiting for them to make it plain to me. And they do this with their kids all the time. I really wish my kid would be a, a would become a Christian. I'm like, "Well, so how are you helping them in that?" Well, I want them to make that decision by themselves, so I'm not I'm not forcing them into it, and I don't talk to them about it. And I'm like, "Well, you're going to get what you've been." You're going to reap what you sow in that, right? This isn't some cosmic mystery of how, you want, how you, we hook up with God. It is His number one agenda is to have a relationship with me and you. It is the top of His priority list. He's not making it some complicated puzzle we have to work our way through and solve the riddles in order to get to the king. He's doing all the work. Come close to God and He will come to you. Do you remember the story of the, the prodigal son? He had gone off to the far country. He threw away all his money. He's, he figures out he's got to go back to dad. He's walking, rehearsing his apologies. He's not even sure dad's going to let him in the door. And it says as he's walking up to up to the house, he comes over the hill and the dad has been sitting on the porch the entire time he's gone, just waiting to see his son again. And as the son comes up over the hill, the father jumps up, runs to him, throws a robe around him, and throws him a party and says, welcome. That's a picture of who God is for us. Again, he's not a terrorist. He doesn't, he doesn't force us into something. But you take a step and he'll run to you. He does it over and over again. The littlest of effort will be received with the mightiest of gifts of grace that you can imagine. Come close to God and He'll come close to you. I go back to that camp and things like that. Young Life Camp, retreats, walk to Emmaus, all those kind of things. If you get the opportunity for those, take it. Make the effort of being a walk to Emmaus. We haven't done one for a while, but Thursday night of a walk to Emmaus is the absolute worst, especially on a guy's walk. Because there's a bunch of guys like me that are thrust in a room that don't want to talk to each other and you've got to make small talk. And it's like, oh God. But I always tell people, you'll survive Thursday and you'll be blessed Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right? Because sometimes that step of uncomfort is the thing you need to bring the healing and love. Come to God and He'll come
1: to you. And trust me, he's going to travel a lot farther
0: than you will have to to get there. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We carry so much corporate guilt for so much violence and hatred in this world. And I'm not going woke on you or anything like that, but that we we have to admit humanity has screwed each other over bad. And we have a part of that. We have to be willing to to cleanse ourselves of that. We have to be willing to deal with that. And it needs to be more than just symbolic religion. You know, the Pharisees had this, this very complicated hand-washing ritual to show for purification and for uh, for their service and stuff. And as Jesus took them on and talked to them, He's like, oh, you wash your hands, you make sure you wash your hands a hundred times, but you're Hearts are just filled. We need to go beyond the symbolism. You don't need soap and water to heal the problem. You need the drenching of the flood of love from the Holy Spirit to change your life. Clean your hands. A lot of times we use our hands as agents of destruction. Turn your hands into instruments for the love of God. Turn your mind into something. Where you begin to see people the way God sees them, turn your heart from bitterness and hate and jealousy into love and acceptance. Purify your heart. I want to go back to the devil part just for a minute. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Let me make clarification. I've heard this preached uh in a way that I disagree with, and I, I want to make sure I don't leave this unsaid. Anybody watch the movie Waterboy with Adam Sandler?
1: Very generational, yeah. And uh, the mama was always telling him about his girlfriend, that girl is the devil, right?
0: The people you disagree with are not the devil the people that you think differently are not the devil the people that look differently than you are not the devil the people who have different religious beliefs than you are not the devil the devil is the one using that hatred and that bigotry to take you down
1: don't let the devil win they are creation of god god values every single
0: person he he created don't make your disagreements, the devil, okay? Just a sidebar. That one's free. Lastly, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Some of us were brought up in a church where we were told you had to be somber and depressed all the time, right? And some of you still carry that with you. um, (laughs) I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think what he's saying is when we do the self-examination, when we begin to see who Jesus is, and when we begin to see what he can do in our life, and when when we come to grips and we're honest and have humbled ourselves and see how far we are from that. there's a reckoning that happens in your soul that will break you and heal you at the same time. If you've never been broken over the
1: idea that the the God of the universe died for you,
0: then you're never going to experience the joy that He has. We we need to weep over who we are. We need to weep over who we've been. We, We need to weep over who we keep fighting to be but it's not so that we can walk around with a somber face because then he ends with this humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I started by saying, we we, we all want the same thing. We all want to be important. We all want to be valued. We all want to be loved and we spend our lives in, 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 in dangerous and hurtful ways, trying to manipulate that and get it from one another. And in that, we destroy the people around us. We destroy ourselves. We destroy our witness with God. And, and we end up being so far away from that. But the paradox of the kingdom of heaven is that if you humble yourself, he'll lift you up. And the very things that we think we need, if we would get up, give up trying to do it in the way we think we should, And we deserve, if we would go with God's agenda rather than ours, you'd end up with all of that. Because He does love you with everything He is. You are important to you. There's not a moment that He's turned His back from you. You are His treasured child. He loves everything about you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. His attention is on you 100% all the time. We get everything that we wanted. Not when we do it our way, but when we do it
1: His way. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, God, for that wonderful word grace, that dangerous word grace. We do not deserve one thing from You and yet you have given us everything. Would you deflate our ego? Would you deflate our self-importance? Would you give us a a willingness to make you king, to follow you rather than asking you to follow us? God, I don't want to be your enemy. I want to be your friend. Help my heart not to be divided. We pray that in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.